0: So tonight, as we gather together for Good Friday, we're going to continue this special Easter series we've been involved in called The Road to Easter by talking about the Via Dolorosa. That may or may not mean anything to you, but the Via Dolorosa is actually a set of streets in the old city of Jerusalem, believed to be the path that Jesus walked as he carried his cross to Golgotha or to Calvary, where he was crucified. The words, Via Dolorosa, literally mean the way of suffering or the way of sorrow. And I read some time ago that when all the words are capitalized in the Via Dolorosa, that phrase, that Latin phrase means Christ's road to Golgotha or Christ's road to the cross. Some of you who are here in this service uh, in person, some of you who are watching me online, you traveled with me to the Holy Land back in 2014 or in 2017. Some of you went with me in 2019. We visited the old city of Jerusalem and you walked the narrow streets of the Via Dolorosa where the different stations, what's called stations of the cross, are identified and numbered. The Bible doesn't ever mention the Via Dolorosa in any of its books. All we know for sure when it comes to that moment in Jesus' life is that he carried his cross from the praetorium, again, to Golgotha or to Calvary where he was crucified. The praetorium was simply the residence of Pilate who was the governor, the Roman governor of Judah. There are actually 14 different stations that mark the Via Dolorosa. Nine of them are found in the Gospels, and five of them are apart according to tradition. Let me just work my way quickly through the different stations so you can have an idea, a better idea of what this is all about. Station number one is the place where Jesus was condemned to death by Pilate. John chapter 19 and verse 16 says, Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Station number two is where Jesus actually received his cross. John chapter 19, verse 17 and verse 19 say, Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Station number three is where Jesus falls for the very first time under the weight of the cross. And that's the beginning of the stations that come from tradition because Jesus stumbling under the weight of the cross is not something that's actually found in any of the gospels. Station number four is where Jesus meets his mother, Mary. This again is one of the stations that comes from tradition rather than the scriptures because it's not found in the Gospels. Station number five is where a man named Simon of Cyrene was compelled by the soldiers to put Jesus' cross on his shoulder and carry it behind Jesus as they continued to make their way to Golgotha. And the very fact that at some point along the way, a man was pulled from the crowd and compelled to carry Jesus' cross makes it easy for us to believe that Jesus... Stumbled under the weight, especially given all that he had been through when he was beaten and brutalized before this even took place. Station number six is where it's said that a woman, a specific woman named Veronica, wipes the face of Jesus. Now, that station is attributed to a verse in Luke chapter 23. It's verse 27 that says a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. But this specific moment where a specific woman named Veronica wipes the face of Jesus comes from tradition. It's not found. That detail is not found in any of the gospels. Station number seven is where Jesus is believed to have fallen a second time under the weight of the cross again, tradition. Station eight is where Jesus speaks to the women of Jerusalem. And we just read Luke chapter 23 and verse 27 where we're told that women were following him who mourned and wailed for him. Verses 28 through 31 go on to say, Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say the mountains fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Station number nine is where Jesus is believed to have fallen a third time under the weight of the cross. But again, that comes from tradition. It's not found in the gospels. Station 10 is where Jesus is stripped of his garments. Mark chapter 15 and verse 24 says, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. Station number 11 Jesus is nailed to the cross. Station number 12 is where Jesus was crucified. Station 13 is where Jesus is taken down from the cross. John 19, 40 says, Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. Just before that verse, we're told that Joseph of Arimathea, who is someone who is described in the Scriptures as a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews, had asked Pilate specifically for permission to take the body of Jesus. We're also told that Joseph was accompanied by a man named Nicodemus, and we've met him before. That's the same Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who visited Jesus by night in John chapter 3 and so you know what that means friends that somewhere between John chapter 3 and John chapter 19 Nicodemus a Pharisee a man that Jesus calls in John chapter 3 Israel's teacher at some point Nicodemus became a follower of Jesus station 14 is where Jesus is laid in the tomb and that's the Via Dolorosa. I've walked that road three different times in my life. It's always an emotional experience. Every time it's very crowded and very busy, and because some of these stations are actually inside the church of the Holy Sepulcher, they lose a little bit of their impact because of all the busyness that's happening and all of the what I would call ritual in particular that's happening inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre is the traditional Catholic site of the crucifixion and the resurrection. The traditional Protestant site is a place called Gordon's Calvary. As I mentioned before, when it comes to the Via Dolorosa, the only thing that we really know for absolute certainty is that after being Brutally beaten and abused, Jesus carries his cross from the praetorium to Calvary where he's crucified. So there had to be, there was definitely a way of suffering. There was a way of sorrow that Jesus walked on his way to the cross But instead of getting caught up in the specific stations or the specific route of the Via Dolorosa, as well as all the speculation and tradition about what did happen and what didn't happen, it seems more appropriate to me on this Good Friday that we simply focus our attention on what it was all about. Why he even walked that path. And as I think about that, there are some specific words that come to my mind. The first is the word sacrifice. The Via Dolorosa is about sacrifice because when Jesus died on the cross, he died as the ultimate and the final sacrifice for sin. With his death, he completed something that had begun all the way back in the very first book of the Bible. Of course, I'm talking about the book of Genesis and the third chapter where after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, a sacrifice was made to cover their sin. That is the literal and figurative meaning of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21 that says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And so here's the question, where did that skin come from? An animal had to die so that Adam and Eve could cover their nakedness, which now represented their sin. And that act in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden set in motion a truth that ultimately is confirmed down the road in the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 that says, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Here's the simplest way to understand it. God, in his absolute and complete sovereignty, decided long ago that sin had to be paid for because sin creates a debt. It creates a spiritual debt, and debts have to be paid. And so spiritual debts, according to God, are paid by the shedding of blood. That happened all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. With Adam and Eve, and that continued to happen through the sacrificial system that we see in the Old Testament law, and that's what happened when Jesus died on the cross. But here's what we need to understand, and even more than that, here's what we need to celebrate. When Jesus died on the cross, when his blood was shed for sin on the cross, he provided the final sacrifice for sin, Listen to the way that's described in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. The Hebrew writer says, day after day, every priest stands. I want you to pay attention to that word, stands. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duty. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, at least not permanently. And then he goes on to say, but when this priest, and now he's talking about Jesus, but when this priest had offered for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down. He's not standing any longer. He sat down at the right hand of God because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And when the Hebrew writer says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, what he's telling us in an unmistakable way is that after making his once-for-all sacrifice, Jesus was saying by being seated the same thing that he said on the cross. It is finished. There's nothing left to be done. Jesus walked the Via Dolorosa to become the final and the ultimate sacrifice for sin. The next word that comes to my mind is the word suffering. The Via Dolorosa, the road that Jesus took to the Christ, cross, is all about suffering. We know that. We know that a summary of the crucifixion story tells us that Jesus was abandoned by his closest friends, he was falsely accused, falsely tried, and falsely convicted. People spit in his face and punched him. He was slapped. He was beaten so severely with a whip that the skin on his back was torn open until it was raw. He had a crown of thorns pressed on his head. He was struck over the head repeatedly with clubs and staffs. People shouted at him and cursed at him. He was nailed to a cross and he was crucified like a common criminal between common criminals. And he knew all of it was coming. Every step that he took in his earthly life, he knew it was coming. It was the fulfillment of prophecy Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5, which is just one example of the prophecy, says about Jesus, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by him his wounds, by his suffering we are healed. Jesus knew what was going to happen. On more than one occasion, he had told his disciples what was going to happen. An example would be like the one in Matthew chapter 20 where Jesus says, we are going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. Suffering was what the Via Dolorosa was about. It was always going to be a part of the cross and Jesus always knew that. And then I think of the word shame. Shame. And there really are two areas of shame that Jesus was faced with during his crucifixion. The first was the shame of nakedness. The truth is Jesus was most likely naked when he was beaten by the guards. And even though we don't see it depicted this way in our pictures or in the movies because that would be unseemly. He was naked when he was on the cross because that's the way it was done. The Gospels tell us that the soldiers cast Lot for his clothes. I want you to think about something with me for a moment. Maybe you've never thought about this before. In the Bible, nakedness was the very first sign that sin had come into the world. I mentioned Adam and Eve's sin earlier in the Garden of Eden that required a sacrifice so they could cover themselves. Listen to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. This is after they sinned. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. After they sinned, that was the first realization. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Sewed fig leaves together is what they did until God was able to provide a more permanent covering. And so understanding nakedness and feeling shame were the first consequences of the sinful behavior of Adam and Eve. And the fact that Jesus was naked on the cross might be uncomfortable for us, but I want you to think about it from this perspective. It also shows us that he is bearing the shame of sin even to the point of taking on himself on the cross the very first consequence of sin. And just so you know, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7 isn't the only place in the Bible where nakedness is associated with sin. There are several passages both in the Old and the New Testament. And then there was the shame that came from the death that Jesus was subjected to. Because the Bible depicts hanging from a tree as a horrible and a shameful way to die. In both the Old and the New Testament... An example from the Old Testament would be Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23 that say, if a man guilty of a capital offense is put to death and his body is hung on a tree, you must not leave his body on the tree overnight. Be sure to bury him that same day because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And then you go to the New Testament and a passage like Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 where Paul directly ties Jesus' death on the cross with shame when he writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And that word cursed in the original language of the New Testament is closely associated with shame. So Jesus endured the shame of being naked and the shame of being hung on a tree to redeem all of us. Because it was our sin, yours and mine, that sent him to that shameful death. And then finally, there's the word selflessness. The final thing you can say about the Via Dolorosa and what it was all about is that it was all about selflessness. Because one of the greatest truths the cross teaches us is that Jesus chose to die. He wasn't some kind of a spiritual patsy who was forced to die. He wasn't tricked into dying. He wasn't victimized by his enemies. He willingly put himself in a situation that he knew would result in his death so that he could pay the penalty, so that he could pay the debt for our sin. And so the death of Jesus was a selfless, willing death look at these words on the screen from john chapter 10 verses 17 and 18 jesus tells us this truth in these verses he says the reason my father loves me is that i lay down my life only to take it up again did you hear what he said he says that i i lay down my life only to take it up again and then he doubles down and says no one takes it from me but i lay it down of my own accord i have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again this command i received from my father The Via Dolorosa was about selflessness. Now, if you ever have the privilege of traveling to the Holy Land, you need to go to the old city of Jerusalem and you need to walk those streets that are so narrow that make up the way of suffering the Via Dolorosa But rather than viewing that as some kind of a shrine or some kind of a monument, rather than taking these stations that are a combination in some cases of truth and tradition, rather than looking at these places where Jesus suffered the different heartbreaking and agonizing final moments of his life before the cross and making them something that really is less than personal... you should just remember that the final walk of Jesus's earthly life was about sacrifice and suffering and shame and selflessness. And that's why all of us are here tonight. That's why all of you are watching online. To remember Jesus's death on this day that we call, ironically call, Good Friday, even though we look at the events of that Friday and they seem far and removed from anything that could be remotely considered as good. But we recognize and observe the Friday before Easter, and we call it Good Friday because it was a good day for you, and it was a good day for me, and someone should say amen to that. Because... It was the day that God demonstrated his love for us through the perfect sacrifice of his son who embraced the suffering and the shame in a selfless act of obedience and love. And that, more than anything else, is what the Via Dolorosa is all about.